welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning. Welcome to the session on Traditions 8, 9, and 11, The Attraction of Service. My name is Rich P., and I'm a recovering sexaholic. I will be... Thank you. I will be facilitating this session. I am joined by... John B., sexaholic. Dave T., sexaholic. Each panelist will share their recovery on this topic. Then we will take time to answer questions. Questions will be taken from the Ask It basket. If you wish to participate, write your question on the 3x5 card and place it in the basket on the table. We'll distribute this. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. Let us open the meeting with the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me this serenity. Accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay, well, now we'll turn it over to the panelists. I'm going to pass it to John B. to get us started. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm John. I'm a real sexaholic. Hey, John. Uh, we did not get together and pre-discuss this, but uh, I'm going to suggest we just maybe like do one tradition at a time and Try to pull them together. Does this sound reasonable? Uh, tradition 8 says that uh, Sexaholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. The long form goes a little more in depth. It says Sexaholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. We define professionalism as the occupation of counseling alcoholics for fees or higher. But we may employ alcoholics, or I'm sorry, sexaholics. Well, we, we may employ alcoholics, who knows? Uh, sexaholics where they are going to perform those services for, for which we might otherwise have to engage non-sexaholics. Some special services may be well rec- recompensed, but our usual SA 12-step work is never to be paid for. And uh, <clears throat> I... I uh, Read through this earlier in the week and kind of studied it, and and uh, and in my experience and uh, in, in some of my service work, uh, especially when I was working on the GDA and, and with the uh, uh, General Delegate Assembly and working at the International Conventions Committee, I had a lot of interaction with with uh, SACO or SA International Central Office, and. Now, there, there are things they do for which uh, volunteers would just not work. Uh, 
Now, you need somebody to be in an office every day and and maintaining contacts and and lists and and all the other services that they provide. It's something that uh, is just not suited to volunteer type work. Uh, the maintenance of the website, uh, answering letters, answering emails, and so forth and so on, uh, sending literature out and those kinds of things. Uh, so that is not what we would consider professional 12-step work. Professional 12-step work would be carrying the message to the still-suffering sexaholic, uh, sponsoring, and and those kinds of things. And those are certainly things we do not uh, pay for. Now, we do at uh, many levels of our service structure uh, finance the travel and expenses of people who are providing volunteer service unto the fellowship, but they're not being uh, recompensed, if you will, such as our board of trustees, uh, who are, in, in all due respect, are the legal owners of SA Incorporated, or acting as owners, and they carry out very specific uh, work for the fellowship, the business of the fellowship. These folks are strictly acting as volunteers. They don't get uh, paid for what they do. Uh, the work that they do, and, and, and Dave can attest to this because he has more direct ex- experience ha- having rotated off as a trustee last uh, summer. Last summer, wasn't it, Dave? And, uh, you know, we, as a fellowship, we pay for their travel to these events because, and they're not just here to party and have a good time. They're here to work. And, and they, they do their work before the convention takes place. And they, their work is anywhere from, what, about five to ten hours a week, something like that, uh, on a, on, on average. Although I know there are times when it's a lot busier than that. Uh, a couple of plane fares across the country and uh, a few meals a year and a few hotel room nights a year is, is not much recompense for what they do uh, if you look at it in financial terms. I'm sure the uh, uh, return on investment of their time, if you will, to their recovery process, and I'll let Dave speak, speak to that uh is probably the biggest reward they get out of it. But we, by far, as a fellowship, are the ones that receive the most out of that. Um, I'm going to pass and... I'm Dave, happy to be a sexaholic, sober since November 23, 1990. Uh, Just a little overview on uh, Tradition 9. Um, A... As such ought never be organized, which lots of people have fun with that, uh, because we're not organized uh, and may create special service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Uh, I think that's uh, uh, unusual that we are responsible to those that, are ser- the, that we serve rather than uh, you know, we're the boss. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, we do need special service boards. And we have uh, we have committees. Uh, 
of which I would encourage each one of you to look at the list of committees uh, and see how you could fit in and be of service to them. Um, this the the whole purpose of our our meeting this morning is um, service. Service within SA feeds our humility. It says, uh, "Wow, keeping each of us at a point of surrender in which." Uh, we choose to help others. We rotate leadership, avoid receiving pay for our work, and trust this anonymity uh, to attract others to the life of surrender that is recovery. Uh, I have found that all kinds of service have helped me. Getting to meetings early, so that I can greet people. Gee, that's a service. Making sure the heat is turned up or the air is turned on uh, is a service. Uh, going to fellowship before or after is a service. And once I do those kinds of things, then I'm ready to, okay, I could be, I could go to an intergroup meeting. Or I could go to a regional retreat. Or, uh, oh, we're having a regional retreat? I could volunteer for that. Maybe all I can do is uh, I'll go to the store and, and pick up the coffee and the, uh, the creamer and, and that kind of stuff. But finding ways to be of service. And then uh, stepping... I won't say stepping up, I'll say stepping out to uh, be uh, a regional rep or to be, to be the, the representative from your meeting to intergroup, being a regional rep, uh, being on a, uh, the prison committee, writing to prisoners. All of these things are ways of, of reaching out and uh, being being uh, passing on the word um, i was a trustee and um one of the neat things is the fellowship i gained from being a trustee you know in fellowship with Six or seven other very, very sober people who were committed to fellowship. Every month we met on the phone and twice a year we got together. Wow! That fellow, that's what I was looking for all my life. Real fellowship. And being on, on the committees, um, you know, the international committee and, and uh, uh, or or the literature committee. The literature committee needs people to read. They get lot, they're working on lots of pamphlets and things. They just need readers. You don't have to be a great writer, just a reader. So each one of these committees has 
uh, finance committee. I certainly don't have any skill there, but I'll bet somebody has some real skills with finance. So, um, I guess I'll, I'll leave it that. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, Rich Pete, grateful recovering sexaholic. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. My sobriety date is um, September 20th, 2010. So, um, Tradition 11 says our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal, personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Um, I've always been fascinated by that concept because when I first read it, and like a lot of the traditions, you know, before, I've been around SA for a long time since, um, not a long time compared to the, the, the gentleman on the panel with me, and I'm really privileged to be here with him, but um, since 04, and I never, you know, got involved. I just didn't. I, I didn't even get sober to 010 and find recovery until then. So, um, but the notion of uh, attraction versus promotion, I live in the world where everything is promotion, promotion, right? You're always pushing your message, pushing, you know, what, what I want others to hear. Um, a lot of the, the promotion felt like manipulation to me. But attraction, I really like that. It's right. It's like, it's like, you know, when I talk about when I, I'm, a newcomer comes in and you know, they ask how this works and they're asking about how do I get a sponsor? And I usually say, well, look around the room and see who has what you want, right? See who has what you want. And I think, you know, for our, for this tradition, I think that comes alive a little bit for me. It's like, you know, people look at SA, well, when they're looking and they're desperate and they need it and want it, and when they're ready, you know, my higher power revealed it to me and he showed me what was there um, exactly at the right time when it was supposed to be revealed to me, the, the attraction piece. So, um, you know, there was no, the essay wasn't promoted to me. Essay was, I was attracted to it. Um, people use that expression like a moth to a flame, but, you know, in this case, it really was like that. I just needed the light. Essay was the light, and I needed to be attracted to the light. So I was really grateful for that. Um, just a, a general comment. I wanted to make a couple general comments of it just about service, just from my perspective. And kind of, you know, I feel like I'm still newer, you know, to the fellowship. And, um, but I'll say service has been a hallmark of, of, of my recovery. Thank God for service. Thank God I have a sponsor who introduced it to me early and that he had me associate with other sort of winners in the program who, saw service as a as a as a necessary tool to get sober. Um, I like what was already shared on the panel, but this notion of there's a lot of levels of service that I've seen that I've had a chance to do. I liked the idea of just individually, right? The program says, you know, do service work as part of getting sober, sponsor others. And you know, to me that's a form of service work, sponsoring others. And um, you know, setting my schedule aside and and you know, not making it all about me, um, and meeting with you know sponsors after work and giving up an activity maybe that I want to do with, but I get so much more from this than the other activities I you know that I used to fill my life with. It's like when I sit with a sponsee and do service work when we're working the steps, I just feel like I'm alive. I I, I have a uh, you know just an insight lately where it was really great when. You know, I saw my life changing when I was, you know, working and doing the steps with my sponsor. 
it's been even more amazing to do service work with guys and see their lives change. And I finally have a set of sponsees where I'm seeing their lives change, like radically change, like, like not a little bit, but like radically change. And they're coming alive. And all I'm doing is sharing what my sponsor shared with me, the steps, and, you know, just making time and being with them. So um, that, that's really exciting, I'm, and I'm grateful for that. Um, for me, there's also service, you know, at the meeting level. And that is getting there early and setting up chairs. Or, you know, our, our fellowship in Buckhead has a, a coffee um, service, I guess, that you say we provide on Saturday mornings. And, um, you know, it's there was one gentleman who took it on, and it's always there. And one time he didn't show up, and no one coordinated, and it just wasn't available. And that's when people noticed. That's when people were like, you know, where's the coffee? What's going on? And it was like, wow, we really appreciate the service that was being offered to make the coffee. It was so simple, um, but it had, so, it had such a big impact on the fellowship. I went to a, I was traveling in Amsterdam over Thanksgiving just this past year, and I really needed a meeting, and I, I, I found one on Thanksgiving Day, and I got there. And it was just a small thing, but there was this, this little service that they do, and they just they make tea, and they're, they're tea people. They're not coffee people, and they just, you know, before the meeting, there was all this hustle and bustle preparing tea and getting hot water ready, and um, they brought the tea out. And um, it was just such a nice aspect of the meeting. I felt It helped me feel like, you know, a part of that meeting. I was really grateful for it and be, to be able to have that happen and um, was able to give that feedback to those folks when I saw, you know, saw them here at the convention, actually, this year. It was great. Um, there's also the service after the, after the meeting. Um, we do a breakfast in, in Atlanta after the Buckhead meeting, and you know, I find that you know, I feel like you know, part of my role is the informal coordinator of that. So there's always a core group of guys, and we, always, you know, we, we rotate the locations of places we go afterwards. But I'm always looking for the newcomer. Or the, you know, sometimes there's regular guys who, who come to the meetings but never go out for breakfast afterwards. And um, I really make it a point to go up to them, and we, I always offer it, always offer it, and sometimes give them a hard time for not coming. And sometimes they come eventually. But it's been such a powerful, you know, service work opportunity for me because I feel like that's where I got to be. I got like plugged into people, plugged into the friends that I thought I would never have that I so desired all my life. Right? The, the, the male relationships, the healthy female relationships, all those things sort of, I think, happen in the fellowship after the, after the meeting. So I think that's also a type of service work. And then at the group level, there are a little bit more formal things, I feel like. And, you know, again, I had a sponsor who nudged me and really said, get involved. You have to get involved. So Atlanta, you know, we sponsored this international convention in 2002. And again, we sponsored it in 2013, last January. And um, I had the chance to step into service in the international convention. And you know what? It was a lot of hard work. But it was an amazing experience. That group bonded. And I hear other groups talking about that. Like the committee, like they don't want it to end. Um, I remember the Baltimore folks saying that. Like they came together. And you work so hard and you, 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 know, and you work through some hard issues with people. And, the, you know, who gets to do that but in recovery, right? It's like it, I get to apply healthy tools and healthy resources. And... Um, I've met so many great Essanons, you know, as you're trying to match programs up and work out time issues with, with Essanons. And Essanons have been such a blessing in my program and serving alongside of them. I love Essanons now. I do. I didn't, I didn't know them before and I had a lot of fear around what they might think of me and, you know, what they might consider about my behavior. 
And uh, I love Essanons. I do. I just love what they bring. I love working with them in the spirit that's present there. It's, it's really powerful. I love my essay. I love my essay, but I love my people. Um, you know, working on committees, you learn a lot about people. And um, I learn a lot about myself. And I learn a lot about the, you know, the, it's, it's, you know, it's never about me. Let me just say, it's never about me. And the moment I start to think that it is, got to get out of the way and let my higher power work. And that's just sort of you know, how he does it for me. I just always have to be out of the way. Um, there are two other little things I want to share. I know I'm, I wanted to get a lot of my stuff out up front and then give these guys time to, to you know, bring some other stuff up for the other traditions. But two big things. So, service helps me get outside myself and get outside my head because... That my being in my head is the most dangerous place to live, and I love service because it just helps me focus on someone else. I don't really have a lot of new stuff to ever share. I just I think all the great stuff is already in our literature. And in essay, the solution section, it says, you know, I went from sex and self to God and others, and that's really the hallmark of my program. And this whole topic sits in the, the God and others category. It's the others category, and that means I'm not focusing on myself. And that's always like when I start to feel a little crazy or I'm having to force surrender or fight through surrender, I just got to think I got to work with someone. So it, it goes for making calls or just a meeting with people or doing, you know, program committee work. And the other thing I hinted at is just service work has certainly helped help me feel a part of, just a part of. I remember the first, we, we do a day marathon um, in Atlanta every year too. And the first marathon um, planning committee I went, I was really nervous. So it was essays and SNNs and not, you know, I didn't, Again, want to be the center of any attention. I just wanted to do my little part. And um, people wanted to hear my thoughts. People wanted to hear my suggestions and my recommendations. And um, it, it just turned the tide for me to feel part of, part of this program, part of life, and part of, you know, my higher powers world. Anyway, that's, thanks for letting me share. I'm going to actually, I guess, pass it back over to John. I saw you looking at some more, maybe things you might want to yeah. talk about. Great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your sharing, and uh, and I appreciate what you've done for our fellowship. Uh, I learned about service uh, without knowing that's what I was doing uh, when I was uh, first darkened the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous in in 1985. Uh, I really, uh, you know, my first introduction to 12-step work. And, and and I was blessed when old timers at those meetings grabbed me up, and uh, one of the things they they used to teach in those days, and I still do it sometimes in SA. People look at me like I'm an alien, but go around go around the room at a meeting I've not been to, especially if I'm out of town, and shake hands with everybody in the room, and they. Usually you get questions, are you a politician, you're running for office or what? Uh, but it's just what I was taught to do. And uh, when, you're a, when you're a newcomer in any 12-step fellowship and you get those kinds of instructions, that you do that before you sit down, you go to a big meeting, you learn to get to the meeting early. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you don't want to shake hands with 300 people before you get your cup of coffee and donut and sit down, you get to the meeting early. But my my first assignment was, uh, you show up tw- uh, 20 minutes early and you set out ashtrays. And after the meeting, you empty the ashtrays and put them away. That was my first 
uh, bit of service. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I was, I was just doing what I was told to do. Uh, somehow, I, I can look back on it today, so many years later, and, and see that that helped me be a part of this group of people that I don't know. We are people who normally would not mix, you know, talks about in the literature. Uh, my, uh, my, my sponsor is a, a former doctor, uh, who's working in artificial intelligence stuff. Uh, my grand sponsor is a doctor. Now, these are people I normally would not hang out with. You know, I'm a blue collar guy. Uh, I work in a factory. I get dirty. I work in factories all over the place. I get dirty and, and all that kind of thing. And we're kind of on the opposite ends of the spectrum. These guys are well educated. I'm educated in another manner, but, uh, our, our backgrounds are significantly different. Yet I interact with these, and then I, and I get involved in service, and uh, uh, some of what I've gotten, uh, particularly at, at the GDA level, and, and what some of what Dave shared is I've made friendships with people on different parts of the country that are in uh, from different cultural backgrounds, if you will, uh, and and so forth and so on, but somehow we have bonded over our common weakness and formed these friendships that I truly value today. Uh, Dave talked about this a little bit uh, a little while ago in the SA Service Manual, and if you have an interest in service, I strongly suggest you get one of these things. Uh, they they sell them right down. They're selling them right down at the literature table. Most of the conventions have them available at the literature tables. You can download it off of the SA.org website. Free. It's a PDF file. It's only uh, 72 pages long, and that includes the two cover sheets that they got on here with some uh, other information. But on page 8 and 9 of the SA Service Manual, it says, What can a newcomer do to get involved in service? And then they have a suggestion uh, for the early days. The first thing on the list, it says, Stay sober. It's an act of service. Join a home group. Attend meetings regularly. Work the steps. Sit out and put away literature before and after a meeting. Obtain telephone numbers and call someone instead of acting out. Get a sponsor. Give a sponsor an opportunity for service too. And I think these guys can attest to that. When you're in a sponsor-sponsee relationship, the sponsor, I think, usually gets much more out of it than the sponsee, or we think we do anyhow. Uh, anniversary meetings, volunteer to set up, break down, and clean up after. Attend marathons, help set up and clean up, prepare and serve food. Walk up to an unfamiliar face and introduce yourself. Arrive at meetings early for fellowship and participate in fellowship after meetings. Attend international conventions. Meet other newcomers. Uh, one of the things I like to do uh, typically at international conventions, I haven't been able to do it this year for, or this, this time for some uh, reasons I won't go into, but uh, I like to take at least uh, one meal and go sit with some people I don't know. And it's normally essays. But I have ended up sitting at an asinine table once or twice. But it's something about meeting people you don't know and getting out of yourself, which is where most of my problems are. 
And then it goes on down page page nine uh, with some other things. Talks about progressive victory, continuing to work, and other things we can do. Uh, but I will I always when I talk about service, I like to give a caveat, and that is uh, it is real easy in service work, especially in the service structure, to go from having a program of recovery to looking like you have a program of recovery. Because you're up there in front of people and, and people are seeing what you're doing to some degree. A lot of service takes place behind the scenes, but when you get up in front of people and and you're you know you're trying to put your best face forward and all that kind of stuff, it's real easy to get lost in that and lose that program of recovery, which interferes with my relationship with God. And I say all of that because I have done that. That has been my experience. Uh, I got lost in the service work and. And it looked like I had a program, and I ended up relapsed uh, again in in those early days. And uh, you know that one, I almost didn't make it back here from that that relapse. So I always throw that caveat out. Uh, the first thing I have to do is maintain my relationship with God, which comes through working a program of action. Gentlemen, I'll turn it all over to you. I'm Dave, sexaholic. Uh, the AA Big Book says we are not a glum lot. John said the first thing on that list is get sober. I think get sober and then put a smile on your face. Um. <laughs> If this is a program of attraction, stay in the solution. If I go in a meeting and I'm talking about the problem, who wants that? But if I go in a meeting and I talk about the solution, and I may be the only one talking about the solution. Well, I want to be like my friends. I want to do... No, i got to stay in the solution. Uh, reach out to others. Call your sponsor. You know, I I need to get phone calls because I'm like everybody else. I don't pick up the phone when I need to, but God has a sponsee. Call me when I should be on the phone. Call your sponsor. That's a service. Reaching out to others. Uh, I have started some uh, a couple of meetings uh, when we didn't have them in my town, and I started a meeting, and um, we had there there were three of us, and then there were four of us, and then five of us, and then four of us, and then three of us, and then two of us, and the meetings just fell away, and. Uh, I was talking to my sponsor and saying, uh, I don't know what's wrong. I, you know, I, we just can't get the meeting going and everything. And he says, you're sober, aren't you? I said, yeah. He says, well, it worked for you then. So even though there wasn't a meeting right then, that process of starting your meeting and everything kept me sober. Uh, started a meeting again. There, 
There are times when I have gone to a meeting and I'm the only one there. Well, I could sit there and whine or I could have a meeting. Have a meeting. Oh, do the readings? Uh I may not stay for the whole thing, but I have a meeting. And then I go out for fellowship, and you know once in a while somebody shows up for fellowship. Oh, I had to work late, but I came. I was in Florida, and, and I had contacted the central office. This is another kind of service. When you're traveling, find out where meetings are and go to a meeting someplace else. Take your experience, strength, and hope to them and gain from them. Share recovery. I went to Florida and, and I met this guy. I had to drive across Alligator Alley and meet him at a restaurant. And he drove me to this meeting place. And he opened the church and he got the uh, some chairs out and the lights and everything. And, and right before we started the meeting, he says, this is so cool. He says, I've had this meeting going for three months, and you're the first other person that's been to it. Wow. I've been to meetings in all around the world. And, you know, they they say, oh, well, would you share at at the meeting? And, you know, they open it up as a sharing time. Wow. Or a meeting... And, you know, in Germany, and, oh, well, we'll switch over to English. I was at the German convention, and they had two breakout meetings in English so that I could go to the breakout meetings. Wow. Too cool. It's attraction rather than promotion. And, you know, I'm good at beating up on myself, and I go, Oh, well, our meeting is not doing very well. I must not be doing a good job of attraction. That's my disease talking. My recovery says, you're sober, aren't you? The uh, new tradition, or new uh, meditations book, 90 Days of Meditations, it's really cool. Uh, and it says... Um, and one of the meditations, eventually it dawned on me that the purpose of maintaining my spiritual condition is to have something to give away. My recovery must include others. When I'm helpful to others, render service, and give freely from the heart without resentment, fear, or expectation, I am practicing the SA principles in all my affairs. When I truly begin living in the answer, I gain serenity, joy, and freedom from the bondage of self. I like that. Isn't that nice? Get a meditation book and read all of them. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, Dave. So we have some questions that were posed to the panel, and I'll just read them, and we'll just pass it to the panel to share their experience, strength, and hope on them. The first one says, which form of service work was most impactful for you?
Let me give Dave a break. I'm John. I'm still a sexaholic. Uh, <clears throat> I hear people talk about service work, and, and I hear I hear uh, you know, sponsorship as being service work, and, and I I suppose it is uh, in 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 many regards. But I look at, at sponsorship as part of working the program. It's part of working step twelve. And 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 I can throw it under the under the under the uh, uh, heading of service work, but I consider it a responsibility and and a repayment of debt. And that is a debt I owe to those who came before me, you know, and, and the Harveys and the Daves and uh, all these guys that had been around for years and years before I got here, and my sponsor in particular, and I owe them a debt. And I repay that debt by carrying that message to the guys that come in behind me, uh, whether I sponsor them or not. And that is probably the most been one of the most impactful things in my life is to uh, uh, work with a newcomer and have him have the lights come on for him and, and watch him grow and build a relationship with God and all those things that, that happen. But when it comes to work in the service structure. Uh, uh, when I got got to the level of the General Delegate Assembly and uh, uh, got involved in the International Convention Committee and got involved in helping other people organize conventions and put my two cents worth in and and and, and help put some of that stuff together was able to share experience, strength, and hope. And the most impactful thing out of all of that was what I talked about earlier, which was these relationships that formed with people from across the country and around the world. Uh, I've, I've learned to look at a lot of things in new ways. I think those are some of the most impactful things. And my sponsor taught me a long time ago I don't know what we were discussing at the time, but a piece of paper I had folded in my big book. Uh, we were apparently talking about Traditions 11 and 12, because I had a little note scribbled on there, Traditions 11 and 12. And and I wrote a line that he gave me that I'm pretty sure he either got it from his sponsor or his service sponsor, and said the, the most important thing in the traditions are the relationships the relationship with other people. And uh, that really the, uh, has been one of the more important things to me in the process. I will pass. Dave Sexaholic. Uh, relationships. We say we have no crosstalk. I was a master at crosstalk in business, in teacher meetings, in church meetings and things, but I was never confrontive. I would sit at, at a meeting, uh, the principal, the somebody would say something, and I would just nudge my neighbor and, <laughs> you know, or snicker or... <sighs> Or look at my watch, or uh, whatever. That's crosstalk. 
I think the most impactful thing, one of the most, is not to crosstalk in meetings. When somebody is sharing, not to look at my watch. Not to... Not, you know, somebody is sharing and, oh, I get my bill fold out and I start getting my, I use $2 bills because I give more than, uh, I want to model giving more than a buck. Uh, not rolling my eyes when somebody, sh- oh. do I get to hear that again? That's crosstalk. That's rude. And I'm the king of rude. I was. And that's acceptance then. The opposite of that is acceptance. And accepting the person for where they are, listening to them, not sitting there going, boy, I wish I was their sponsor. I could talk to them. Accepting where they are, because I want to be accepted where I am. My higher power accepted me. Maybe I could pass it on. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Rich P., uh, a real quick response to this one. I said a couple of things earlier, but a real quick response is, um, it's been always really, I, I, I never know what God is going to do, but I, at the end of a meeting, you know, we get a lot of, of newcomers who come in late, you know, and they self-identify then. But it's going up to them afterwards, and it's it's that invitation to breakfast afterwards. Because, they, you know, they're, they're, they're just sort of, I remember being there. I remember being wide-eyed, and I don't know what was going on. I didn't know if my world was upside down. I didn't know left from right, up from down. I didn't know if I wondered what these people had. But... Um, I remember someone approaching me and inviting me, and it was it led to connection and it led to being a part of. So, um, and that has come back in countless ways in spades where my higher powers just show me, you know, how people are just, you know, just so desiring to be reached out to. Uh, another question um, is this number two on this card. It says. Um, we, and it lists the fellowship location, I'm not sure I should say it, um, we have a growing breakfast, uh, we have a group breakfast before Saturday morning meeting, great for us, lonely, widowed, divorced, separated. So it feels like it's a comment, I mean, a, a comment, I think that that's wonderful, it does give people an opportunity um, you know, a lot of the guys who don't come to the Saturday morning bref- breakfast in Atlanta are the married ones. Um, because they have families they got to get to. Although some do come, but it is a good opportunity. There are a lot of the single guys there, or or, or divorced guys, myself included, who um, are attracted to that. Um, so I, I concur wholly. Anything you want to add, John? Dave? I think we've pretty well covered that okay. one. Let's get um, involved. Do something with other people. If somebody isn't doing, if if not, start it yourself. Ask somebody for coffee. I mean, it really works. You want to do a grade? Do the first question on that one, or this? Um, let's question. If your local intergroup is struggling with resources, 
can one implement for the good of the intergroup? Can one implement for the good of the intergroup and their local essay as a whole? What what resources can one implement? Um, Good question. (laughs) Uh, Attend meetings if you are a sponsor. Um, You can always kind of nudge uh, sponsees into doing things. Um, You can attend meetings and uh, things. Um, I don't know. Rich, if you have a quick comment on it, um, I think any intergroup is as healthy as the groups that are a part of it. So um, when our, if that was the case where my inner group was struggling, um, and I've seen some local groups in in in, in my area, um, bring things to it. Try to be the role model. Try to you know request a group inventory. We we've, we've gone through this process of doing a you know trying to learn what is a group inventory for individual groups and taking it to our inner group and saying okay how do we get this spread how do we get more healthiness um more more recovery at a group level um so i think it it comes from the bottom up and um i've seen groups when they're struggling you know they'll they'll call a group someone um, usually some folks talk outside the meeting and then they come and they say, let's have a group conscience and let's talk about it. So I think it's like getting light on it, like any other, other problems that I sort of deal with individually, but just at a group level. There is a pamphlet, Group Recovery, um, that uh, is an interesting one to read during a meeting and, and comment on. Um, also, uh, in Oklahoma, we don't have a very strong intergroup. We can't. It's hard to get people connected. Uh, we're going to have a one-day marathon and inviting a speaker into uh, uh, one of our members does a lot of flying, and so he's giving a plane ticket to bring somebody in uh, just to get people to get outside of their meetings. I'm still John, still sexaholic. Uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, my, my sponsor taught me early on, uh, and, and particularly was talking about sponsorship, never, ever tell a sponsee to do something you're not doing yourself. Now, there may be some exceptions to that as a general guideline because I may not have the exact experience they have or situation they have, but when I'm... I'm uh, Giving them instructions such as get involved in the service structure. If I haven't done it myself, I had no business telling them to get involved. And uh, so when somebody comes up to me with a question of this nature about uh, what can what can I do to help the situation, and and I had that actually happen with an international convention. Somebody came up and complained about a topic and how it was blah blah blah. And I said, well. Why don't you go to the chairperson of the next convention and volunteer? Uh, what are you doing? You know, get involved. Be part of. And if I don't like something that's happening, if I'm not involved, then I have no business 
bringing the issue up and complaining about it, most certainly. Uh, but at the local level, we operate on, on the inverted pyramid service structure, and this is off page 45 in the service manual. The, the pyramid's upside down. And it was designed that way, AA uh, is where it came from originally, but we use it here too. Uh, the groups are actually on top. So when we talk about stuff coming from the bottom up, the trustees are down at the bottom of the pole. or <laughs> They take their direction from the fellowship. They don't make decisions about policy and set policy and so forth and so on. When you get down to it, it's actually the groups. The groups do that by, yeah, the groups do that by, uh, one way they do that is by controlling the purse strings. Well, what do you mean controlling the purse strings? If the groups don't donate money to the region and, and to SACO or to the International Fellowship, they're not really donating it to SACO itself. They're donating it to the fellowship. If they don't donate, then you know, the people that, that do conduct the business of SA don't have the money to conduct business. Uh, so the first thing I say is get involved in your home group. And a lot of that begins by staying sober because they have sobriety imperatives along the way. Uh, you need to be sober 90 days to hold this position or six months for that or a year for this. Uh, and when you get up to the, uh, the international level, the uh, alternate delegates is three years, recommended the delegates five years, trustees is, is it five? Five years and so forth. So staying sober is, is a beginning, and get involved in your local group. If you want to, if you want to affect the inner group, uh, uh, volunteer to serve as the group service representative for your group. That doesn't mean you get to run off the inner group and tell them what to do. You got to consult your group, find out what the group wants, and then go to inner group, find out, you know, bring a suggestion. Find out what the rest of the groups in your intergroup uh, uh, feel about that particular situation. And uh, we have a responsibility to make decisions based on the will of the fellowship and what's best for the fellowship. And it goes on down the line just like that from the intergroups to the region. The region consults all their intergroups in their region before they make a decision to send something to the general delegate assembly and, and so forth and so on. Uh, but it all starts at the home group. Get involved. Be part of. Uh, another question is, have you seen examples of careerism or ambition such as in convention organization in the various boards and committees of SA? What was the result? Is that careerism or coercion? Careerism. Careerism. People staying in it for years and years and years? Yep. Okay. We're a bunch of people just like the people of the world, and uh, we're going to be all kinds. Uh, that's why we have traditions. That's why we say um, um, that um, we, um, you know, rotate service, and uh, you know, I just bring the traditions out and. Um, Hope they're followed. Do 
John, you have something you want to comment on? Yeah, our, uh, it's in our in our uh, concepts for service. We talk about the uh, rotation of service, and and you know, we try to adhere to. A, I would I want to say we try to adhere to it rather strictly. Uh, the situation is uh, uh, the idea is is, is effective leadership includes rotation of service. So if the same people aren't doing it year after year after year, I have personally seen uh, uh, at the intergroup level people hang on to a service position for several years. It became unhealthy for that individual. It became unhealthy for the group. And uh, what was the result? It seems to me the result has often been the same as it is in everything else we do. Resentment. Fear, you know, anger, uh, and the need to make amends, clean up the mess we created. I've been on the back end of some, uh, a couple of things that happened where I was on the losing end of a deal and uh, went to my sponsor about it, and I got this resentment. They're not doing it my way. And uh, he said, well, anybody, any SA who thinks he can control the actions of a bunch of other SAs, is in need of an S and nine recovery program. I don't have a, a lot of experience with that, but I have an, uh, an example of a, a controversial topic was being de- debated in a, a group conscience, and um, I remember reading about something similar in the past. I'm sure it's happened many, many times, but it was a, something that I think Roy wrote about, and. Um, I remember, you know, what Roy did was he stopped it all and said, let's bring God into it and let's pray before we make a decision and we vote. And that happened at this meeting. Someone said, let's stop and what would God have us do? What would our higher power have us do? And stopped and asked everybody to pray. And it changed the atmosphere of the room. I'm not kidding you. It was amazing. You could feel it. And they came back and I felt like the, the, the insanity was lifted. And the issue wasn't like the issue that everyone thought it wasn't about how any anyway it resolved itself. It was just a really neat experience. I know that wasn't asking about controversy, but it, it reminded me of it. I think we have time for one more question, and um, it's: Have you ever had a service sponsor, or have you been a service sponsor? What is your experience? No. No. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm John. I'm sexaholic. My uh, my SA service sponsor uh, was involved in, in in at the regional level and in the GDA level and so forth. And uh, his his sponsor, who came out of an AA background, suggested he give a service sponsor and and directed him to a gentleman who now serves as as one of our Class A trustees. Uh, it, meaning he's a non-sexaholic trustee of the SA Fellowship uh, and has been so for about three and a half years now. And uh, he asked him to be a service sponsor, and that was before he, uh, he got involved in our fellowship. And somewhere along the line, you know, we were talking about things, and I'd gotten involved at the regional level and, and realized I didn't know as much as I thought I did from the intergroup level and and. My SA sponsor became my service sponsor as well. Uh, 
and I have since passed that on to uh, one sponsor. Uh, and and a lot of this this stuff is about implementing the steps, the traditions, and the concepts in the service work. And I'm still learning. I got a lot to learn yet, but uh, you know, still moving forward. And and the current status that we have going now is our intergroup rep from Nashville and one of our alternate delegates from the Southeast Region. My sponsor and myself are conducting a uh, regular uh, teleconference meeting. We we try to do it every Monday evening. Uh, sometimes we get two two nights out of the month. Sometimes we get three. Occasionally we get four. But we are going through the traditions and the concepts for service. Uh, uh, we like to say we're, we're helping these guys come along by passing along our experience, strength, and hope. But when you really get down to it, it's very much like the sponsor-sponsee relationship. We're learning together. And, and, and that's a lot of where it starts is just talking about it. And, and we've, we're, I don't know, I'm continuing to learn more and more as we go forward. Thanks. Okay. Anything that you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Let us close with a third step prayer.
for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.